Hi, this is Pastor Daryl Beggs. You're listening to Sunday Morning Sermons from Central Baptist Church in Hillsboro, Texas. Thanks for joining us, and God bless you. If you will open your Bibles to John chapter 4, we are continuing our series on the seven signs in the book of John. Uh, today's message is called Faith from Crisis to Contagious. You know, God moves our faith from one place to another, and aren't you thankful He does that? And today's story is about that. When you look up crisis in the dictionary, one of the definitions is a situation that has reached a critical phase. And we hear about that all the time, don't we? It's in the news every, almost every day. Whether it's a minor or a very major crisis, there are always crises going on. We've all been there. I read one commentator, and he said, Any of us who has failed or flunked, been fired or flattened, can understand desperate faith. And boy, that happens, doesn't it? I thought about, over my lifetime, some of the things that have happened, some of them more serious than others, but relatable things. I thought about the night my dad came home late and told me that uh, he and my mom were getting a divorce. We weren't going to be a family anymore the way we used to be. And that was tough on a kid. And I know some of you have been there, haven't you? And then also I thought about the time when I was a teenager between my junior and senior year, how hard I worked all summer long to get in shape and be ready for the football season because it was my last shot. About the second game, I sprained my ankle and limped through the rest of the season. But it was that crisis in my life that helped me begin to see that my worth was not in sports or things that I did, but my worth would, would have to come in Christ and my relationship to Him. So I'm thankful for that crisis. In 1985, my father was in a terrible wreck, broke his neck, punctured his lung, busted his ribs, fractured his ankle, busted both legs. We thought he was going to die. He was in the hospital for almost a month. And I thought about how we prayed and how God seemed to bring us through that, and we're thankful for that. I thought about the day I got home from eating after church on a Sunday night, and a state trooper met me and said that my daughter would not be coming home. And so, say all that just to say that uh, your pastor can relate to, to crises in life, but all of us can, can't we? You have your stories. You have your stories of difficulties and trials and things that happen in life, and it's part of life. But I'm so thankful that God uses and takes us through those things and helps us to and builds our faith. And that's what the story is about today. This man who came to Jesus, who was very desperate in John chapter 4, in beginning in verse 46. Speaking of Jesus, it says, Therefore he came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a royal official whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and was imploring him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you simply will not believe. The royal official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, go, your son lives. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him. And started off. As he was now going down, his slaves met him, saying that his son was living. So he inquired of them the hour when he began to get better. Then they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at that hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. And he himself believed and his whole household. This is again a second sign that Jesus performed when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. 
God is in the process of moving our faith from crisis to being contagious, something that we want to share with the world. And that's what he did with this man. So let's take a look at this today. First of all, the man came with crisis faith in those first few verses. It says he was a royal official of the court. In other words, he was a man of importance. He was a man used to having his way. He was probably a wealthy man. But it doesn't matter how much money you have or how much earthly power you have. When you have a child that's at the point of death, no amount of money or power on your own can help. And he knew that. He knew that he needed help, that he was going to have to go to the only one who could fix his problem. And you know, most of us have been here, most of us have been there at one time or another. We've been in a situation where it really wouldn't matter how much money we had, if we had all the money, or how much position we had, if we had the highest position, it wouldn't matter. There's only one authority who could help, and that would be Almighty God. And so the man came in a sense of desperation. He came 25 miles, 20 to 25 miles, because he'd heard about Jesus. And you know what? It doesn't matter whether you're rich or you're poor or where you are. Jesus can help. And we're thankful for that, aren't we? And he had a child. Now, when you talk about somebody's child, I can't think of, there, there's not much greater love than we have for our children, is there? We just, you know, sometimes we want to hurt them ourselves, but we don't want anybody else hurting them. And we want, we, we don't want things to happen to them. And so he had this, this deep, deep love for his child. You know, one of the things that we realize have you ever heard the old saying, you never want to drink a water until the well runs dry? I think part of that is when we, thought, when we talk about love, we really don't understand the depth of love or the gift of love until someone is gone that we loved at one time. And then it, it helps us to understand that the, the hurt and the pain, but also it helps us to understand that there's a depth there that's really beyond reason. It's just an incredible thing. And so this father comes and he just, he loves his child and he wants to do anything. He don't care if he has to walk or run 20 to 25 miles. He's going to do whatever he can. He's desperate to get Jesus to his child. And that's important for us. And when I was praying and thinking about that this week, I thought about in light of recent events, you know, last week was the terrible thing that happened in the school in Florida. And all of these things continue to happen in our nation. And you know what? I, I'm, I'm waiting to hear the people, the leadership of our world, not talk about making new laws or having gun control or getting control of these things, although all those things may be good. I'm not trying to say anything political, but what I'm waiting on is for someone who is in a leadership position in our country to stand up and say, this country needs to get on its face before God again for the sake of our children. We don't hear that anymore. What's happened to the leadership this past week? We lost Billy Graham, and he's home to be with Jesus, and I rejoice with him. But you know what? I, I'm, we've got a void in our country, a spiritual void in our country now. And there's, there's not a Billy Graham to stand up and say, you know, there's plenty of people who stand up and talk political solutions, but who will stand up and say, this country is in desperate need of Jesus? Our children, our teenagers, I'm so thankful for all of you who went to D now because you're learning about Jesus and the gospel and how he loves you and how life is not complete without him and eternity is in the balance if you don't know him. Those things are so important. Who's going to stand up and teach those? Well, it's people like the people that had these kids in their homes over the weekend and Tim who tries to do a good job of ministering to them and all of you have part in that. It's 
It's people like Natalie who works so hard to, to help our children have something special here. It's local churches who will have to stand up and say, if there's a void in leadership at the top of our leadership in our nation, then we've got to fill that void on the local level and make sure the kids in Hillsboro know the love of Christ. And I'm so thankful for you, for you as our church, who not only give to support that, but also pray and support that. There's a desperate need in our world. This man was desperate. You know what? Revival will not come to our country, to our church, to our town, until we get a sense of desperation in our hearts and lives. God doesn't really answer half-hearted prayers or half-hearted uh, attempts at serving Him. He wants us to come to Him in a sense of desperation. And when I thought about that, I thought, here's this man who loves his child, but it's his child. And sometimes if it's not our child, we don't get as concerned. But they're all God's, they're all God's creatures. They're all God's children. He wants them to be in his family. But notice he was imploring him. It means that he was begging him, that he was pleading with him. And it means more than once that he kept insisting that he come to his child, that uh, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't stop praying. We can't afford to stop. Sometimes we stop praying just short of seeing what God's going to do. Have you ever had that happen in you? You prayed and you gave up, and then maybe sometime later God did answer, but he kept imploring him. And then in verse 48 we have the rebuke. Jesus said, unless... You people see signs and wonders you simply will not believe. But notice that's in the plural. He wasn't just talking to that man or maybe not particularly to that man, but he was talking to the crowd. The Jews were always after a sign, a miracle. God, show me something and I'll believe. You know what John's gospel is about? It's not about showing you something that you believe. It's about believing so God can show you something. And we get that backwards sometimes. We want... We want God to show us something. Then we'll jump on his wagon. But God wants us to believe, and we're going to see that in a minute, how this father reacts. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, the scripture says, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. What's the difference? And an interesting, it's an interesting contrast here between the Samaritans and the Jews. You remember the Samaritan woman, it's just the story right before this one. Jesus speaks to her. He tells her about her life. She goes into town and brings all of those Samaritans out, and they believe, but Jesus doesn't do a miracle. Look at the end of uh, that story in verse 41 and 42. It says, many more believe because of what? Because of his word. And they were saying to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is indeed the Savior of the world. They believed just because Jesus said so. They didn't need a miracle. Do you need a miracle just to believe in the Word and the promises of God? Well, I was in a hospital room in Mansfield, Texas with a good friend. And uh, the doctor came in and said, there's nothing else we can do. He's not going to make it. Well, it was a shock because we didn't know. We didn't know. And this lady, this man and lady were dear friends. She was our secretary at the church. And we, we were very close. I was close to their family. And, and she just, we just began to weep. And 
she just hugged me and we, her kids were in there and we were weeping together and we just, you know, we knew where it was going to go, but it was just hard to hear that it wasn't going to be there. So we just decided we better get together and pray, which is always a good thing. And the daughter, Tina, their oldest daughter, got up, their oldest child, and we joined hands and she led us in prayer. And she prayed something like this. She said, Father, we know that you're able You're able to heal my daddy. And selfishly, we want you to do that. But if it's your will to take him home, we're okay with that too. But we're just asking humbly for you to heal him. And I thought in that moment, here is someone who is praying over her father who is willing to accept God's will, whichever way it goes, but is pleading for healing. Well, he did get well, and I saw him just a couple of weeks ago. But sometimes when our faith has to have a miracle, we miss the depth of knowing God and just trusting in Him. And so it was a crisis faith. He came to him with a crisis faith, but notice that it moved not from just a crisis faith to a confident faith. In verse 50, it simply says, Jesus said, Go, your son lives, and the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and started off you got to admire his faith. What was he asking him? He was asking Jesus to come to Capernaum. And Jesus said, just go, go. And the word go there is in the imperative. It means go. And it means Jesus spoke that with authority. Jesus meant it's a done deal. Just go. It's okay. And he told him to go and he, and he took him at his word. What a marvel of, of faith this man was. He wasn't a believer. He just heard about Jesus. But something about, I think, the way Jesus spoke to him and the authority with which Jesus spoke helped him to believe and understand that this was no ordinary man, that he really could heal from such a distance. You know, the Samaritan woman who went and got her friends and this man who believed in a simple way and started on his journey must have been a great blessing to the Lord Jesus because they just believed And they began to share with others. Someone has put it this way, Wonders may produce all, but words produce faith. Remember John's theme, believing is seeing. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. Can you take Jesus at his word? How many of you think you can take him at his word? Well, yeah, in church on Sunday morning we can. It's easier, right? But when you get in the middle of crisis... It can be more difficult. What are your go-to verses when you need some encouragement? I thought about that. I I thought about times when I've gone through doubts and fears. And I I thought about John 3.16. And we all know that one. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever, that's me, that's Daryl, and that's you, whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting, eternal life. And anytime I doubt, I just have to go back to that verse and say, whoever means me. You remember the old song we sing, whosoever surely meaneth me. We don't sing that anymore. Too much King James in there, but whosoever means me, therefore I'm a child of God. When I get fearful or doubting, I I remember Matthew 6 verse 33 Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. God knows about every sparrow that falls and every hair on your head. Therefore, He knows my needs and yours. And there's comfort and strength in that. 
I think about John chapter 15 and verse 7. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you shall ask whatever you will and it will be done for you. And I think about the high and holy privilege of abiding in my Savior and He in me and His word abiding in me. And I have a sense of rest and a sense of peace and a sense of assurance. And it's so good to know that. And I think about when those that we love are gone. And I think about that precious promise of Jesus in John chapter 11, who said, I, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And whosoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then he asked the question, do you believe this? And we answer, yes, Lord, we believe. His word is powerful. His word is, is a, a promise from, a, some, from someone who is able to back it up. You know, you can get promises from anybody. And nobody's perfect and nobody has absolute power except for Jesus Christ. But we know that when he says something, he means business. And he can fulfill his word. And so it was a, it was a crisis faith, but then it, 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 it moved to a confident faith. And he just took Jesus at his word. And then it became a confirmed faith. In the next two verses, in verse 51, it says, And as he was now going down, his slaves met him, saying that his son was living. I think that's a cool picture. Uh, he's going there, they're coming out. I mean, God has worked on both ends. It's amazing how prayer works, isn't it? God works in my heart, but he may be working in somebody's heart hundreds of miles away. Prayer has no limits, no boundaries. The power of God has no limits and no boundaries. We touch people all over the world. That's what our, our uh, women on mission help us to understand. They pray for people all over the world. And God does wonderful things through prayer. It's an incredible gift. You may know someone and you wish you could be with them, but you can always pray for them. But imagine the waiting now, a couple of commentaries I read said that this man would not have gone home that day because it was 7 o'clock at night. He would have been a fool to travel at night with all the dangers. Remember, there's, there's no cars. There's no headlights. I never saw a donkey with a headlight. I, I, there's no cell phones. It's just flat dark out there, and you don't know who's out there or what's out there. So imagine having to wait all night long and then get up the first thing the next morning and head back home. But you know what I think about this, Dad? I think he had a sense of peace in his heart that only Jesus can give. I really do. I remember I told you before about my dad being in the hospital for a month. I prayed over him. <laughs> I didn't touch him. I just prayed over him. It wasn't, there was no place on him that wasn't skin up. But uh, I prayed over him because I was worried. I wasn't sure whether my dad was a Christian or not. And then one day I was in there and I was praying and I just got a sense of peace. And it was like God said to me, it's okay. Now, he didn't mean he was going to be healed. He didn't promise me that. He just told me that whether he lived or died, I felt in my spirit it was okay. And there's just a sense of peace that comes sometimes from God. And I think, I think this man had that peace that Jesus gave to him. But remember, the man, the man did two things. What did he do first? First thing he did was he believed. Say believed. He believed. Secondly, he obeyed. He obeyed. He believed and he obeyed. Now, what if he had said, no, I'm not going to go. You're going to come with me. No, he just took him at his word and he believed. 
I have read a book by Paul Powell. Paul Powell is one of my heroes, and he was a pastor and a leader in our convention. But he, he wrote a book not too long before he died, and the title of the book is called God Works in Mischievous Ways. Uh, but in that book, he gave, uh, he gave this analysis on trusting and obeying. He said, as Abraham went up Mount Moriah to offer his son, Isaac asked him, Father, where is the sacrifice? My son, God will provide, said Abraham, and he did. But not until after Abraham built an altar, gathered the wood, and drew back the knife did God provide the sacrificial ram. If you're thinking about stepping out in faith, just know that God doesn't necessarily provide in advance. He provides in response. That's a good word, isn't it? It's a crisis faith. It becomes a confident faith. It becomes a confirmed faith when he finds out that when he obeyed, Jesus acted. And then finally, it's a contagious faith. Uh, this last part of the story is so neat to me because it involves his family and his servants and, and everyone around. Uh, so the father knew that it was at that hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives, and he himself believed. It's the same word as the word up here where it says he believed about the miracle that Jesus had healing power, but this is different believed. This means that he moved from believing Jesus could, could do a miracle to believing that Jesus was his own personal Messiah, that he was his Savior, that he believed. He believed in Christ. He did what Billy Graham had called millions of people to do through all of those years. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And it says, not only did he believe, but his whole household believed. What a blessed day that must have been. The day that our youngest child gave her heart to Jesus was a wonderful day because the other two had already done that. Maybe that's happened in your family. Maybe there's someone in your family that's still on the outside looking in. I don't know, but I want you to know this. Jesus still loves them and you can still pray for them and ask God to send somebody into their path to help them. You don't know what God might do in answer to your prayer. This, uh, as uh, most of you know, my brother had a stroke um, oh gosh, I guess three or four weeks ago now. And, but he's doing great. He was in rehab, went, to, went home yesterday. Just been amazing. And thank you for praying for him. But I bring that up to tell you this. I, uh, I've got reunited with some family that I hadn't been seen in a long time because that's what happens. You know, you, you don't see your family and then a crisis happens or there's a funeral and so you get together. Well, long story short, I've been praying. I, I pray regularly for my family. I know you do too. And uh, I pray not only for my immediate family, but for my parents, my brothers and sisters, and our kids and grandkids. I can't name them all, so I say, God, you know them, take care of them. But I, I ask God to draw our family to himself. And what I found out meeting with my nieces and my nephew, one of my nephews, I found out that they are young men and women who are seeking the Lord and serving Him. And I found out wonderful things that I didn't know. And I'm not telling you it's because of my prayers, but I am telling you that I believe in the power of prayer. And I felt confirmed that my prayers were not in vain, that God is doing a work in my family, and all of us have a long way to go. I pray that God will do a transformational work in my family, in this church, in our deacon body, 
And, and, and I'm not saying that because they're not good guys. They are in our teachers. But I pray that not for everyone else, but for myself. I want God to continue to transform my heart and life. Don't you? I mean, we got to move from faith to faith. You got to move from crisis to confidence to confirm to contagious. And you got to get so fired up about it that you want to share it with your family and your friends and get excited about it. That's how faith works. And for lack of a better word, it's pretty cool. And we have a Savior who's just amazing. And, and for Him to allow us to get in on something like this always amazes me. There is no doubt that this whole family became ambassadors for Christ. Let me ask you this. Has, done, has, has God done anything noteworthy in your life, in your family? Has He? Well, has He done anything worth sharing? What about your household? Is your, circle, is your circle complete? Don't give up. If Jesus can heal a little boy from 20 miles, He can do it over hundreds and thousands of miles and make a difference in lives. For He is an incredible Savior. God is always moving us from crisis to good, solid, contagious faith. And when we're desperate, we're in the perfect place for God to work. Amen. Haven't you seen that before? Years ago, I read a book that contained a poem by a lady named Antoinette Wilson. And it's called Wits End Corner. And I want to share a couple of stanzas with you. Are you standing at Wits End Corner, Christian, with troubled brow? Are you thinking of what is before you and all you are bearing now? Does all the world seem against you and you in the battle alone? Remember at wit's end corner is where God's power is shown. Are you standing at wit's end corner? Then you're just in the very spot to learn the wondrous resources of him who faileth not. No doubt to a brighter pathway, your footsteps will soon be moved. But only at wit's end corner is the God who is able proved. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. Would you stand with me? Let's pray.